Country Podcast Edition. I've always been around great songwriters and artists my whole life. I'm Michael Knox. Welcome to my world. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jason Aldean, and you are listening to my boy Michael Knox on Knox Country Podcast. Welcome to the Knox Country Syndicated Radio Show Podcast. Hey, guys, I'm here with Justin Weaver, a dear old friend of mine. Um, known you a lot of years. Um, met you the same day I met Jason Aldean. Yep. You know, down in Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia, the buckboard. The buckboard. Two doors down from the strip club. <laughs> Probably. No, it was. It was. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, but, but I remember meeting you. I remember the first time Jason came to town, you came with him too one time because yeah. you were writing right. and doing some stuff. And, and um, But I was always a fan from the get-go because you always looked like you had your act together. <laughs> Well, compared to the crew that we were rolling with, our buddies, <laughs> I guess it wasn't that hard to look like you had it together. <laughs> but you were a little younger than they were. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, we were all the, kind of the same age. We were all in high school together. A lot of those guys were my high school buddies. And um, and Jason and I, we had been hanging out since we were 14, 15 years old yeah. in the house gig in Macon. Well, I just remember you coming to town and wanting to make this move and all this stuff. And um, so you've come to town, you've made the move, you made the commitment. You know, yeah. we cut one of your songs on Jason's first record. When did that first publishing deal come into play? Was that before that or before after Before that? that. Uh, my first publishing deal, I guess, was 2003. Ron Stuvey at BMG signed me. And then that was 2005, right? I believe y'all, so, yeah. Y'all did that record in 2005. And that was my first cut, though. That was the first... And I remember Jason called me. He's like, hey, man, we got one more slot on the record. It was a Friday. And y'all were cutting. I want to say it was a Tuesday. It was either Monday or Tuesday. And he called me. He's like, hey, man, we got one more slot. And the song's even if I wanted to. Uh, we got this one more slot. Let's write something great. And I and that was the day before we were writing. That was Thursday night. And I remember sitting down. And I was like, I better come up with something good. And actually, the whole first three lines are all about not being able to come up with a song. Like, if you listen to it, it's actually about not being able to write something. So go back and listen to the first three lines. And then we sat down and wrote the rest of it that next day and then played video games after we recorded his vocal, as we always did. But but that, but video games, that's all that's all he did back then. He would just disappear and, and do the all-night video game thing. Oh, all the time. But, um, but now, my favorite song that you wrote that we recorded is it ain't easy and yeah, um yeah, you song. know um when you turned in that demo man it, it was just hard it was hard to beat the demo anyway i mean it was just awesome the groove is killing me still to this day that's a go-to for me on that record oh that's awesome thanks man yeah that you know that song's funny because that song almost didn't come to be like we were riding that day and we started two other songs and both of them were just crap. You know, you start one, you're like, get halfway through it, and you're like, what are we doing? Waste of time. Start another one. And then my publisher, Nate Lowry, comes in, and he goes, y'all want to go and we to lunch? And then we went to like a meet and three, of all places. Way to motivate your writers. <laughs> Fill them up with meat and, and, and veggies, like greasy veggies. And potatoes. And, and potatoes. So we come back, and it was like 4 o'clock. And I, I think the reason it was like, so hooky and stuff was because we were just in a mode of being like so full and we just started singing that chorus over and over well i love that and, and then we knew it as soon as we started singing it, we were like oh my gosh so we're here and then it it came up came out like within an hour and a half we had it 
Okay, now fast forward a little bit, uh, not much, but your first, tell us about your first single you had, okay. because that was a big deal, because I remember our camp, I remember even me and Jason talking about it, because we loved that song, but I want I want you to tell the story. With the, which one? The, Gary Allen. The Gary Allen single? Well, my first single was actually the Chris Lee Cook, 15 Minutes of Shame. It wasn't a blimp on the radar, but. That might be why we didn't remember that. <laughs> Yowch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the Gary Allen thing, man, that was like right after that. Um, I was a huge fan of Gary, like in high school, man, his first record came out when I was in high school and man, fast forward. Oh, golly. That was 14 years later. Yep. Um, he cut that song and I, I, the moment that I heard it, I was like, wow, we, we wrote that, uh, and it's all a blur it's one of those songs that just kind of flew out i knew it uh bill luther and brett james and i sat down one morning well we're talking about get off on the pain yeah get off on the pain yes uh we sat down to write and brett had the title he said man get off on the pain and i was like i don't can we say that like is that and then we just started (laughs) i know it's kind of a questionable thing you know i was like i don't know man and then once we started kind of like digging into it the meat of the song i was like man this is really something that you know i think dudes actually feel and kind of do like yeah. the self-destructive kind of thing and well i just remember we always felt like that was one that got away from us because it was uh, we all loved that song but it was just in between you know it, it was just in wasn't. a weird space yeah because i remember i don't remember if y'all held it or you said i want to hold it but you didn't want to hold it up which I always, I always appreciated that i thought yeah. that was awesome well well we weren't cutting for a while yeah but then y'all were still pitching it and it was yeah. and you were a friend and you were just like well i don't want him to miss something you yeah. know so but um you started during that time it, it you know you got a real good relationship with like Brantley Gilbert yeah. and some of these underground artists at the time, you know, but yeah. you and Brantley kind of come from the same town, same place, you know, yeah. um, you know, Georgia, All Georgia boys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, Lots did you, did boys. you meet Brantley back then or did you well, just we, meet him up here in town? We'd all kind of been in the same circles, but, and not really becoming friends. Even after bottoms up, we weren't like tight till after bottoms up. And then we, that was like our connection of like getting tight and really hanging and going out on the road and, uh, Heather and I would go down and stay with, uh, like, hang out with him and his wife Amber, and yeah. So we got to all be good friends. And well, well, tell the story about Bottoms Up. Bottoms Up, man, that was that one is in segments. So it's one of those songs that happened over a long period of time. I kind of had that riff and stuff, and there was a road trip coming up for to go on the road with Brantley and Brett, and uh, um, I came up with that riff. And I had another another riff, so I'm just kind of coming up with some ideas, and Brett and I were going to get together and brainstorm. And Brett came in and had that title. He's like, man, bottoms up. And I was like, how did I, you know, how do you make that country? I don't... And we sat down, and another time, immediately started singing the chorus and kind of coming up with that. And then we laid down some rough stuff. And we kind of had... Um, the verses were cool, but it wasn't like Brantley cool. Because we had... Uh, See you and me rolling like Bonnie and Clyde, yeah. yeah. So we had scatty kind of stuff, you know, with the track. Yeah. And then Brantley came in and just crushed it, of course. You know, he's such a great writer that he just, he was like, oh, dude, this is how it goes. Boom. And he's got an awesome pocket sense. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And honestly, I got to give him props because he sang that demo and he was absolutely sick as a dog in a hotel room two tracks and, and and it sounded great it ended up being great and then they cut it immediately scott knew he's like man this is a single off this next record 
Now, how much um, how much Brantley activity have you had? Uh, I had two songs on the last record, and then I mean, he's got a few for this next record coming up. So. Yeah, and, and y'all's way of writing is kind of still the same. You kind of get things rolling and send it out to him. Yeah, going out on the road, sending stuff to him. A little bit more of that since he's had the baby. The road's kind of gotten crazy. Yeah, um, and he's been off the road a lot. So, but you and en- you enjoy going on the road and writing. I love it because a lot of writers can't write on the road oh man it's i I thrive on the road just because of i feel like you're i'm away and um that's all i'm thinking about i don't have to be home or be somewhere else to do something so i'm there 100 like i'll write 12 hours a day how are they on the road are because some writers are real good on the road to write and some of them just check out well brantley's process is pretty dope like brantley we usually don't start writing till one o'clock in the morning so 1 a.m. after the show, he does the show. Then he does like an after show meet and greet, like does flags. He signs flags and meets with people. So he's not back to the bus till 12, 30, 1 o'clock. And then we roll and we'll start writing at that time. Or we'll write till the sun comes up. And, Crazy. you know, I asked him one time, it was probably like the fifth or sixth trip we'd been out there. And I was like, yeah, dude, I was like, what is going on? Why do we do this? Why don't we? And he said, how many phone calls, how many emails have we gotten? I'm like, you're right, dude. Like, the world yeah. is quiet. That is smart. Well, but but he is a true singer, songwriter, artist. Yes. You know, I mean, that guy, you know, when I worked with Brantley, you know, I, I got to cut some stuff on him a while back. But he was so into it, like so yeah. in the zone of what he's doing, what he wants. And, you know, and, yeah. and, and he's, you know, he might not be the best singer, might not be the best uh, you know songwriter might not be the best whatever all around but when you put it all together man he was very strong at his craft oh yeah i mean the he's brantley gilbert to the core yeah and that's the one thing you, you know that you're not going to miss that but those are true artists man the guys that totally aren't true artists. aren't you know i mean because no offense when you got somebody who's too good of a singer then they kind of right. don't try as hard over here right. and when you got somebody that's too good of a writer then they don't try as hard right. over here but he's he puts it all together so well but but he's so in touch man with what he can say and what he should right. say and as a writer man dude that's invaluable and yeah. you know as a producer you know it's like somebody that'll give you feedback you know hey I'm, I'm doing this i'm thinking this and they go well that's not really great dude i can i can use that you yeah know? Yeah, that's good. That's good because I knew you and Brantley had a had a real good past, and a lot of people don't understand the the guys behind the artists. Sometimes you know are really motivating yeah. them too, and I know you're a big part of his career. Yeah, you know, I mean, a big thing with like him is like he loves when I come on the bus and like kind of have something started or have a beat, or even if I'm creating right then, just start playing guitar or creating a beat or coming up with an idea, start singing something like he really feeds off of that and what's awesome is you could come in with something that maybe you're doing that isn't so brantley gilbert like he's got a special thing where he can then take that and make it brantley gilbert there there are not many artists that can do that either and i'm not that good at that like if somebody brought a song that's not my kind of thing i don't know how to then turn that into my thing like it's really kind of hard brantley no way he knows every time how to kind of just flip that switch and turn it bg he knows exactly who he is yeah and what he wants to say totally hey guys this is justin weaver and you're listening to knox country all right well let's talk about the song that kind of puts you in crossover world okay that um um like i'm gonna lose you yeah I mean that 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 took you out of Nashville a little bit. I mean, well, well that put you in another place. It I did. mean, how did that actually happen? Because that's 
the artist that cut it's not a country artist and you know but but you know it is such a singer songwriter song yeah and i mean we wrote it and she you know megan wasn't an artist at the time megan trainer yeah megan trainer wasn't an artist at the time i met megan uh through carla wallace carla had called and said hey i got this new girl uh i want you to she's just graduated high school we're still in high school and uh i want you to try her out before i sign her like just tell me what you think and it was actually me and Eric Dillon were writing, just the two of us. And Eric and I were like, sure, send her over. We were writing something actually for my record. I was just doing a songwriter record, and it was kind of pop and a little unique. And Megan came walking in, and she started singing. And immediately I was like, who is, what is going on? This, she sounded like a 35-year-old black woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is amazing, you know. And I knew immediately she was an old soul and just had music to her core. And that relationship started off, and we um, we kept writing. And then one day, I got her and Caitlin Smith in the room together, and we sat down. And I had actually had a dream the night before. I had this title called "Chasing After You," and uh, I had a dream. And my wife in the dream had actually it was like an old black and white movie, and uh, she actually disappeared. And right before she disappeared, she said, "I just want you to love me like you're going to lose me." Wow. And I, I was telling them this story, and I was like, I had this title, Chasing After You, you know, and this is the story, blah, blah. And she looks at Caitlin and Megan are sitting on the floor looking at me, shaking their heads. They were like, no, there's our freaking title. Love me like you're going to lose me. That's awesome. You know? And so that's... So so what brought the the duet on? Do you, do you know that, any of that story? Yeah. Um, so her manager is John Legend's manager okay. also. So bass had hit so bass is happening and she's trying to round out her album she picks like i'm gonna lose you chris Gelbuda comes in and it was actually a reggae song when we wrote it, it had a reggae feel kelly clarkson had it on for a year yeah but she was having a baby and all this other stuff that her album wasn't getting made so megan picked it up chris Gelbuda comes in produces it 50 style like she's doing john legend heard that immediately like through her their management and was like i gotta be on that that's incredible and like begged her to like yeah. get on the song. Well, that was a that was a big big hit, dude. I, I mean, it, it you know I saw it on a lot of award shows. I saw it getting a lot of legs. I saw it being being played everywhere, you know. And I mean, but that had to really open up Nashville doors with you, and and it put you kind of in another place around town. It did. It, you know, it was a unique world to going out to L.A. and like working in L.A. and seeing how that side of the industry. It's a lot different than Nashville, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I met a lot of nice people out there, and it was cool going out to the ASCAP Awards. We went out there twice. You like that process out there? How is it different? It's just different. I don't, you know, I don't want to say I don't like it as much. I don't really because I don't think I know it enough to say yeah. that. But I feel like Nashville's a little more tighter. Uh, like you get to know people a little more, mm-hmm. and I feel like out there it's a little more competitive. Like in a way that. Uh, I don't know, people camp more not to say that nashville is not campy now but so i i don't love that i love how nashville is yeah and i get why people from la want to come here and you know i have true friends here i think yeah. people that i would call friends rather than just business colleagues knox country podcast edition <laughs> Some of you know me as a record producer for acts like Jason Aldean and Thomas Rhett. Others know me as the son of rock and roll legend Buddy Knox, party doll fame, back in 1957. I'm Michael Knox. Welcome to my world. You're listening to Knox Country. Podcast. Podcast.
Hey, this is Keith Urban. What's up, y'all? It's your boys here, Florida Georgia Line. Hey, this is Little Big Town. And you're listening to Knox Country. You've entered Knox Country. Welcome back to the Knox Country Podcast. Well, man, the first time you you heard the cut, I mean, do you remember? Oh, what, my gosh. Did you hear it before? Was it the radio? Or yeah, you... I heard it before John Legend was on it. Yeah, well, like, I mean, Megan sent it to me, and she was like, "Hey, check this out." And then she texted me like thirty minutes later and goes, "I think John Legend's going to do a vocal on it tomorrow." And then she texted me like the very next day. She goes, "John just cut it. I've got a rough of his vocal," and she sent it to me, and it was um, it cut my head off like immediately like and it was just his vocal no verb nothing just him yeah like leveled me so then you hear it on the radio oh yeah i don't you know i don't even remember were the you, first time there you, i mean because you're a pretty emotional guy I mean, were you crying yeah. <laughs> were, you, were you driving down the road crying uh, in the car when you heard it going i'm gonna get to buy a hummer <laughs> no i don't i don't remember the first time that i heard it that's that's what's funny i don't First time you blacked out. You done blacked out. I'll tell you the coolest story about hearing that, though, because because you know, not that I get used to hearing your songs on the radio, because I'm not saying that because I love it every time. You know that. But the coolest time of ever hearing that song was uh, "Bed Bath and Beyond." <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm standing there. Now, what's cool is it was a college couple. So young, they might have been married, but they were really young, and they're sitting over there, and they were absolutely standing right next to me, singing it like singing it out and dancing together and you wanted to so and bad did like, you not say i wrote i that? did not say it yeah but, but you wanted to i wanted to i wanted <laughs> to just go that is awesome like that makes it worth it like that's freaking awesome did you really walk up to him and tap him and go hey i wrote that <laughs> i wish i had no i'm, I'm about i'm about to bust did one they mace out you and I'm that's about why to bust one out in here i wrote that <laughs> did they mace you yeah, and that's why you don't want to talk about screams it and maces me. <laughs> <laughs> There's a weird guy on the dish aisle <laughs> saying that he wrote the Megan Trainer song. But that's awesome, dude. I mean, now, yeah. now, now, f- from you know your new publishing deal with Peer Music, you just signed there. Yeah. From there to the future, I mean, wh- where's the next place for you? Is it moving into production? Is it moving into so. some other things? I think so. I think production and working with. Uh, an artist or something like concentrating i think getting focused more i feel like my career is more on a path of focus rather than in the past i was kind of spread thin discovering you know which is cool i I love the artistry of discovering and i think now it's time to put my head down and find something that i can just pour myself into uh, a little more a little more focused like i said And, and my calendar my days are a little more focused than, than they have ever been. And I'm excited. Uh, I think the next four years are going to be killer. Now, a lot of people don't like going out on the road like you do. I mean, um, you know, can you sleep on the road? I oh, mean, man, when like I'm in those baby. bunk beds, I can't I can't sleep. Like a baby. You know, and um, I've tried the top yeah. bunk, which is horrible. I get on the bottom bunk, and all I do is feel like every time I hear that vibration, I'm going, we're going off the road. We're dying, <laughs> you know? And, you know, so I'm horrible sleeping on the road. No, nah, man, I sleep good. I, I love it. I don't know. I, I do well on the road. The hardest part for me is just the adjustment. Having three yeah. kids and a wife and coming back to Nashville to like a regular schedule. Because I'm a, usually a 6.30, 7 a.m. guy. I'm yeah. up. Uh, but when I'm on the road, like I said, I'm usually going to bed then. Yeah. So it just totally flip flops. Uh, that's the hardest part, but I'm getting better at that. I think. Does hard- your lovely wife love when you go on the road too? You know. Don't lie. <laughs> when, you come, when you come home, is there balloons and and 
And wine bottles laying around the house? <laughs> or is it like, oh, man. I thought you were going to say balloons for me. Yeah, no, no. The party that they had when the I left. The party they had. You oh. know? <laughs> no, Heather's really good about it. You know, she she takes it with stride. You know, she's like, get out there and get some of that money. <laughs> there you go. Now, go, um, Heather. when I'm on the road, the worst part about it is when I'm on the top bunk and I, and I wake up about four in the morning to having to go to the bathroom and you forget you're eight feet in the air. Yeah, that... <laughs> you know. and, and me hey me being a short guy i'm with you like on the top bunk i flew out of that a few times buddy <laughs> trust me i was in the middle bunk once and just rode out of it thank god i was in the middle bunk because that's only five feet in the air you know but I, I have woke up in midair on a bus before and then and then you know J, uh, jason's back there in the big old big bed you know i've never rode out of my king size bed back here and we're in there in that like, that gum stripe yeah. you know stripe of a bunk bed in there <laughs> Hey guys, it's Shalacy. Check us out on the web at KnoxCountry360.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at KnoxCountry360. But um, but that's good, man. That's good stuff. And um, your next your next place you want to go is production. I mean, is it? I mean, are there any bigger goals that that that, that you're looking at down the road? I mean, I'd love to be. I'd be. I'd love to be more on on like record side, like doing some of that stuff, but. I haven't even thought about like because I still love the art of it. Yeah. I love, whatever, if I ever went like to an administrative or executive kind of position, I don't like it. Have to be something super creative. I don't know what, and I don't even know what those guys do that would kind of fit that. So production is the only thing I can think at this point because I still love writing. I think I got another ten years of writing in me. Yeah. I know of right now. So. uh so writing, producing lets me do that, and I can take project by project. And if I focus in more, I think with the production, then I can write for it. So it's, they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. And in the past, like production, if I get too many projects going on, it can kind of spread you thin. It's hard. It's hard to do both. It really is. But uh, but I think picking up one or two artists to work with, I'd love to find one. One would be a goal. Yeah. I'm kind of looking for that now. Just one. So baby steps, <laughs> baby steps. Well, let's go back in time when yeah. um, Jason used to be nervous when I called. You know, when <laughs> when I actually had had authority, and 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 you were his right hand man out there on the road. Um, he's having to learn songs for a showcase for me. Yeah, do you remember that? Yeah, I did. And then he forgot all the words to like four songs. <laughs> I don't kind of remember that. But. Yeah, it, it was down. It was down in Georgia. He played in that club and just forgot a couple of songs. Oh my gosh! And um, and it was awesome, you know, because that's right. Um, now he doesn't care what I think. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back then it was kind of crazy because I remember that showcase putting it together. Uh, at that point, I was going to go to college. So I told him, you know what, man, I'm just going to kind of take a break from music for a little bit. I really wanted to go to college and get that experience. So I was like, I was kind of being a jerk about it. Like, I was like, man, let's get some some seriousness going on here. Like, if you're going to Nashville and, you know, my high school buddies are kind of goofing off. And I remember they came to like the one of the rehearsals, one of the first ones, and they weren't really rehearsed up. And I'm like, we should just sit down and be able to play these songs for you to have to go back and listen and learn something i remember kind of being mean about it yeah i don't know if jason i don't know if jason no. remembers that or because jason was always like that with me jason and i were always kind of a creative force together like we were the two that would butt heads the most and it was yeah. just because we had ideas and you know we would 
suss it out you know fight it out that's the only way to get creative stuff out there you know and the other guys are just kind of standing standing around going okay we like that one we like that one you know yeah yeah um well when i well he always talked uh positive about you you know when 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 he first came to town and we were talking about stuff and when you came to town he was like hey man can you meet with my friend justin he was my band leader i don't know if you remember coming into my office and meeting with me in nashville and 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 the way he described you was with a lot of respect he said man you know man he you know he might not be an artist but he's he's really got his act together and he's really talented and then that's when I put you in the room with Jeff Stevens that yeah. time, and have him had y'all play around with a song together. Yeah, that was that was fun. Yeah, we we wrote "It's Love." You remember that? Oh yeah, "It's Love." It's love. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. But that's cool, man. That was good times. You know what? And that that came out of that. My favorite Jeff Stevens story, if I may, like. Yep. <laughs> and Jeff Stevens is Luke Bryan's producer, just so you know. Jeff. Jeff is awesome. So this is, I tell this at any kind of seminar, anywhere I talk, like anytime I'm talking to new songwriters, I'm like, you want to learn like a lesson. This was my lesson, my, my songwriter lesson. Uh, so, and Aldine was there. Um, so Je- Jeff and I had already written cause you'd set it up. Well, fast forward, I don't know, a year and a half, two years later, I'd graduated college and moved here. So me and Jeff and Jason are sitting in a writer's room and Jeff goes, we're all talking. And I was like, Hey Jeff, uh, like we should get back together and write again. And he just kind of smiled at me and looked and Jason's like got this weird look on his face and Jeff goes, now, why would I do that? Justin, what do you have to offer me? What could you possibly bring to the right that I need? Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like, but you know what? That was a lesson to me that I will never forget. And Jeff wasn't being a jerk. He wasn't being an ass. He was, it was honestly just one of those like wake up calls of like, you know what? If you want to write with somebody that has a lot to bring to you, then bring something to them. Yeah. And that's when I thought, okay, I'm going to get my act together and start coming up with ideas and coming up with things. And then I can pitch ideas and pitch things to writers, bigger writers than me. Yeah. And that's how I started getting uprights. And then after that, it was like, I got my deal and all of my uprights were always based on that. So Lacey, that's what you call the glasses half full. What are you talking about? Right there. When a songwriter says that to you and you leave there with a positive outcome. (laughs) I'd have probably punched him. (laughs) Well, don't worry about it because you know what? Aldine got a big laugh right in my face. He was bowled over. (laughs) He was like, no way. You just got burned. Like he's like looking at me. I'm like... (laughs) <laughs> that's well, friendship that is friendship i was like thanks for backing me up buddy so when you when you first moved here did you have any odd jobs like just or, or any kind of jobs to try to earn a living I did. like maybe did you dabble in like some web design i built things some like websites that? i built websites <laughs> i didn't bring it up <laughs> <laughs> well the reason why you're even bringing this up is because i think i still owe michael knox two websites hey I, I got the domain names right now. Let's roll. No. <laughs> I don't know how to program that stuff anymore. Get out of here. Technology's come a long way since yeah, then. We were, Jeez. I, I think he was doing like clip art back then. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't even have cell phones like we have now. We had cell phones like Michael Knox has. Uh, th- these are too small. We had the big ones, I think, the, the military ones. for those of you ones. who do not know, Michael Knox does, in fact, carry a flip phone. <laughs> People are jealous. For real. People are jealous. People are jealous how hip I am with my flip phone. I don't I don't I don't know if I would call it that. But, but I want to say that you helped me get another gig. Did you do you I don't know if you remember this, but uh Word needed a text editor. Yeah. 
and you mention my name. Yeah, I got a lot of work from that dude. Because we had just bought Word at Warner Chapel, okay. and they were in our building, and they were saying something. And I go, man, I got this guy that does our does my websites. That's and, awesome. Yeah. Well, I did everything. I like I wrote articles for them. They would send me articles that other writers had written, and then I would edit them. So in the end, I became an editor for Word Music. Their all their web design or even written stuff. Like mm-hmm. I would go through and make sure it was all yeah. written correctly and. We might but, need one of those on staff now. Yeah. So, <laughs> you still doing that? I know. You still doing that? I trade you some some of that for websites. You know, <laughs> some websites. Nice. Okay, probably be better because my website's a little like an Atari. You know. <laughs> well, dude, I love you coming by. Um, me and you go back a long ways. You're like yeah, family to me, and um, uh, feel the same. Buddy. Love I get to hang with you as much as I do. So, thank you for coming by and sharing a lot of this mess with us. Well, thanks for having me, buddy. This is awesome. Knox Country. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Knox Country Podcast. Special thanks go out to co-host Mr. Lacey Griffin and producer Donnie Walker. See you next time. playing throughout the house and then he starts dropping the f-bomb all over the place (laughs) my wife tends to freak out so i'm very careful we don't listen to post malone and if you're listening to the edited version there's like no lyrics there's no lyric right it's great beat you know it's awesome (laughs) like the track is dope so bottoms up we had just written it and i come home and uh i'm playing it for my girls i'm just playing on the bed i'm just kind of hanging out going back over the song going man this is pretty cool and uh my girl started doing a dance and immediately I was like, no, 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 that's not what the song is about. That's <laughs> not what it. <laughs> so they were bottoms up and yes. Yeah. And I was like, no, is that a, is that a twerking thing? Is, is that how you say uh, not, not twerking. How do you say it? Tor- it's twerking. Twerking. <laughs> twerking. <laughs> oh gosh. Knox Country. Podcast edition.